Yes, yes. The Rider of Destiny has returned. Little John Wayne is back from 1933. Kincaid has been apprehended. The drought is over. It's the ride, y'all. Come on, we're going on the ride. It's the ride, y'all. Come on, I know you want to ride. It's it's the ride, y'all. Come on, we're going on the ride. It's the ride, y'all. It's the bicycle ride. I won't deny it. I'm a straight rider. I'm not Tupac, but I get around. Riding on my bike is where I can be found. I don't drive a car because I'm just too proud. So I'll tell the story of how it first went down. I wanted to hit up all the garage sales, but nobody would drive me. So I said, So, um, are you ready? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just seeing you holding that mic with the grapefruit on it. It's making me smile. <laughs> yes. That, uh, well, I want to thank you for this audio setup, uh, DJ Pete's sake. Or sure Peter. Thing. Peter, I don't even know your last name. Are, are are you willing to share that on the air? Nah. No? Just a one one name person. <laughs> sort of like Prince or something. I'll accept that. I that's fine. So um well, uh Peter was or DJ Pizzake was kind enough to to lend this beautiful microphone with this happy face grapefruit on it it's 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 fantastic it's like the best interview mic i've ever seen in my life and and then he has the not as interesting i have the crappy five dollar garage sale mic (laughs) the generic mic so uh, did you decorate this yourself yeah that's the logo for my youtube channel squashy grapefruit ah so people should check this uh out how do how do you how do you get there is it just squashy grapefruit dot it's just squashy grapefruit the channel on YouTube. Oh, okay. So, um, if you did you t- the address, is it just a slash and then squashy grapefruit? I don't think so. It's probably something else. Would you have to search it then? Yeah. Okay. So, is it all one word? Squashy grapefruit? Two words. Two words. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, hey, he, he's right out of the door. He's already promoting himself, which is why he's on this this podcast, Barefoot and Bearded. But um, before I get too far ahead of myself, um, I just want to announce that coming up on January 26th at, uh, I believe, 8.30 in the morning, but you can check our calendar on our website or on Meetup to be sure, we're going to do another Pirate Sea Cave adventure at Dana Point. And so I'm really looking forward to that. We already have a lot of people signed up, so um, but we might be able to squeeze in a few more. But you have to dress like a pirate and talk like one, especially if we have to squeeze you in. That's 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 how it works here. But uh, uh, do you have anything else to promote on our calendar, on a calendar? I I do not know. This year kind of just restarted and it's completely blank. Oh, okay. There is, is this there is this one thing I I've planned to go to in June. It's called the Barzi Summer Bash. It's basically like a party for all the YouTube machinists and it's at this guy's house in Rancho Cucamonga and I've been there the last 2 years and I won a bunch of stuff so I'm going to go to that again. Sounds fantastic. Do you have any like dates coming up where any of your music is premiering or um any events that you're hosting personally coming up that you know of? Not that I know of. I did just release my last album 
in October, and we're probably going to talk about that a bit later. Okay, sounds good. So, DJ Pete's sake, I have the privilege of knowing you not too well, so I hope to learn more about you today. All right. Um, I the first time we met, uh, it was at the encouragement of a mutual friend. Yes. Right, and um, uh, that friend is starts with a K. Kautar, yes. and um, who is a regular on our nature walks, tours, bicycle rides that we've done with Naturalist for You, and you showed up on a Santiago Creek um, ride from yes. from where we're interviewing right now. Actually, we met here at my mom's house, and then rode the Santiago Creek bike trail, and talked about foraging and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, that was like last fall. 2017 oh it was okay or was it early last year i don't know wow time goes so fast uh uh, yeah so we've known each other over a year yes i I recall she heard my song the scrap attack theme and wanted to share it with you because it's about recycling (laughs) right on well and, and um the i think what's interesting is um all of us that we have mutual interests and and so we're definitely going to attract each other i, I think kautar is a pretty cool person and really into nature and cultural history and all sorts of things environmentally yeah. related and um and so are you and uh we're all into bikes riding bikes which is cool as well and so it's nice that our community of of like minds is is just ever growing all these connections yeah, i love it it's like the renaissance of all the local people who are like really good at something and have a lot of knowledge to share. I like how you've described that. I, I agree. And um, so uh, let's get to it. Where are you from and why are you here? I'm from Yorba Linda, Orange County. And I'm here because this guy, Joel, has this cool podcast and I wanted to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> You get some brownie points for that, but keep going. (laughs) And kind of self-promotion, but at the same time, give Joel someone to interview. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, And uh, born and raised, or did you move around a bunch? Yeah, I've been in Orange County area my whole life. Okay. And you're you're interested in a lot of different things. You're, You're currently living in Walnut. Yeah. And uh, you're into building stuff with metal. Uh-huh. And how did... You, and riding bikes and... and you know, uh, What would you consider? Rapping, hip-hop, uh, conscious hip-hop, conscious rapping? What, 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 how do you describe your music? I describe it like when I was first in getting into rapping in high school, I guess my goal was to set out to rap about stuff that nobody else is rapping about like i hear music on the radio they're not really saying anything i could relate to so kind of making music for me yeah uh i feel the same way i listen to the radio i can't relate to most of the lyrics or if i do it's that they're sort of vague yeah like they'll rap about cars and money and stuff whereas i would rap make songs about bicycling and building stuff out of scrap metal and grapefruit and stuff like that. (laughs) 
Yeah, and uh, I think most artists, you know, they're, when they're expressing themselves, they they're creating work that they themselves would appreciate. Yeah, you know, if they're not. Yeah, when it comes down it, to like the purest form of art, not like you're getting paid for it to appeal to the audience out there. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, when did you? When was this? You said high school. You started rapping. I started writing raps freshman year, I think, or slightly before then. I started DJing in eighth grade. I got my first turntable at a garage sale. I was inspired by all the DJs on Power 106, the radio station. And I'm like, dude, I want to do that. That's cool. And uh, was there, at the time, when you're thinking, dude, this is cool, I want to I do this, was it... Uh, like, did you get any support from anybody or was this just like all internal and you did it sort of secretly or, or, or was it something you started showcasing at school or? I guess at first I had a little bit of support. My friend lent me his dad's turntable. So I had two turntables. My parents weren't really supportive at first. They're like, what are you doing scratching those records? (laughs) (laughs) But eventually as I got better, I, I started displaying my talents at like talent shows at school and stuff like that really talent shows i mean that's i I know in high school i hadn't gotten over a fear of speaking in front of the public or anything like that and how was that frightening for you to perform like at a talent show in high school i kind of felt like i had a handle on things i I think i might have been less nervous than i should have been at the time i don't know do you, do you almost assume a character? Because obviously, DJ Pizza. Were you were you DJ Pizza at that time as well? Or my first name was DJ Grenage, spelled G R E N O Z H. Okay. It was a name. It was a name I made up when I was like eleven. That was like my Halo gamer tag or something. <laughs> and it was also my first YouTube channel, so I was like, all right, I'll just keep it. But I, then I took on the name DJ Pizza in like the middle of high school, and the inspiration for that was. One time my friends and I were at this restaurant called Burger Town in West Fullerton. And this guy, we met this guy who's also named Pete. And he, it's a funny story. We were standing in line and my friend's dad's like, hey, Pete, what do you want? And this guy in front of us is like, I'll have a pitcher of beer. And we're like, we turn around like, what? Like, hey, my name's Pete. You asked me what I wanted. <laughs> so eventually we started talking and he's like, that's a good name you have, Pete. I used to be a realtor and I would always tell the people for Pete's sake, remember Pete. Like that was on his business card. Mm -hmm. And like, it didn't occur to me at first, but then later on, I'm like, that's genius. I'm taking that DJ Pete's sake. It's quite memorable. I I can't help but remember your name. (laughs) Yeah. People like it. Yeah. It's good. And, um, it's, it's a classic saying. Like, I don't know how many people actually say that anymore. Like, it's an older saying. Yeah, it's like, like leave it to beaver sort of saying or <laughs> something like that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and you said you write about things that you're interested in. Yeah. Uh, scrap metal and grapefruits and, and all that. What What is the, out of all this, how many songs have you? I've, I just released my third full-length album. So, I probably have a portfolio of about 30 songs okay Uh, these are recorded songs like full-length rap songs yeah and um uh how could somebody 
get your album is there a way to get it like uh, yeah, yeah i have all my songs on soundcloud just look up dj pete's sake there i have them up for download for free right on so uh are there particular songs that are your favorites i i really like the one about um urine i love to piss and i don't know why anyone who disagrees well that is a lie i piss in the street piss in the shower if i drink a lot i piss five times an hour they marvel at the fact that i love to piss but they get pissed whenever if i miss i piss so much and yet i piss every day i love to piss so much that it makes me say and i love the piss and i love the piss and i love the piss <laughs> that was a personal favorite of mine yeah those are fun ones. um but uh, what what are your favorite songs uh when you share with others well the one i made the music video for called my bike that one's that one rings really high on the list of my favorites i love to piss that's a good one <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> i mean there's a lot of anxiety when you have to go and you can't so when you the, do it it feels good the story that's a funny story behind that song because th the inspiration for that song came actually really early on in my in my career i didn't get around to making it until now the sample where he says, I love to piss, it's from a record called I Like It Loud by MC Twist and the Death Squad. There's no need to reminisce, I'm MC Twist. I'm spitting rhymes in your face that just don't miss. And I love the piss off, excuse that phrase. MCs who talk shit thinking shit. they can wait. Hell if I know. Okay. My friend and I, we like went thrift shopping and we found that record. And we were listening to it in his room and like, in the middle of the song, the beat breaks down, and he's like, I love to piss off, excuse that phrase, MCs who talk shit. And uh, I'm like, wait a minute, did he just say I love to piss? Like, bring that back. And I'm like, dude, I could make a song sampling that called I love to piss, and that's what I did. <laughs> that's fantastic, because I, I think the content of your song is much more appealing to me <laughs> than, than, than that other one would be. Although that other one sounds interesting, too. Well, um... What I like about you, and you actually, I love that you connected with um, our mutual friend Scott Celtic Knot because yes. I think all three of us are in the same headspace a lot of times. And yeah, I, I was introduced to him by Paul at the Bicycle Tree. Yes, another amazing person awesome that guy. we can all. Yeah, if you haven't been to the Bicycle Tree on Seventeenth in Santa Ana, just west of Flower Street. Um, it's this fantastic, uh, charity, look them up. Um, Paul Nagel runs it and you can repair bikes there. They take volunteers. Um, you can donate, uh, just to support and they sell, uh, bicycle equipment. And I, I got my amazing bike. I traded another bike for the one I have. So now I can commute all over the place. Yeah. I love that place. Beautiful pink bike. It's um, like my primary bike shop now. Yeah, it's amazing. Like you go there and you can fix the bike yourself. They have all the parts, the tools. They sell used parts, used bikes. You get great deals there. Yes, That's, yes. There's your public service announcement. That's <laughs> right, right. And they, they're offering all sorts of um, off-site uh, educational and repair opportunities as well. So um, check out Bicycle Tree. But that's how you – so he – Paul told you about Scott. Yes. Really? And, and then – then we met up sometime after that, correct? Because you already no, knew about I, him. I knew about you first. And oh, then you did. I, I was like getting into Scott's work. Like 
when I get obsessed about something on YouTube, like I just watch every like video on their channel the same night. Oh, of course. And, like, and then I saw the video of you and him in like in the woods in San Bernardino. I'm like, dude, this guy knows Joel, dude. It's like we're all connected. Yes. Yeah. It's I. It's in Southern California and more specifically in Orange County. It's such a small world. Like uh, all of us who are trying to educate and increase consciousness about our rich natural and cultural history and, 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 you know, just those who appreciate diversity, you know, we're, we're, we all know each other somehow or, or know somebody who knows that person. And, and if anything, if we don't know the person directly, eventually we will. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's more a matter of time than a what if, but uh, what was that? Oh, that was my text message. Oh, no. <laughs> I hope we're on task. Actually, uh, I want to keep going with this. Um, yeah, you you, inter- you introduce yourself really well. Um, but I think it's time it, as you're, as you're, that was a cell phone of some kind, right? I can't see it. Yeah. Is it, is it like a, an iPhone or is it one of those flip phones or? No, it's an Android. Android. I All got, right. I had a flip phone for years and I didn't get that till my phone broke when i touched it when my hand was wet oh have you i mean everybody's going back to flip phones everybody who can't like who acknowledges they have an addiction of some kind really to, yeah they still sell them they still sell them so if if you felt like you just weren't the master of your domain as it relates to cell phone technology flip phones are still available uh, that's and then, good yeah it is good but um that sound that uh, emanated there reminded me that it's time for Name that sound. Oh. <laughs> well, interestingly, you want to know what that sound is. It is the the radar sound from Command & Conquer Red Alert. What, what is that? It's a PlayStation 1 game. <laughs> okay. And so, do you have a, like, a long history it, of... And incidentally, while we're on the topic of yes. this sound, it is in the intro of my first, or my latest album. Oh, wait, is it? Really? Yeah. Okay. Like it's the song, the whole album starts off with that sound. So, so if you, you hear the song Grand Neutrino, you'll hear it. So are you intentionally, do you think that's another community that you're trying to connect with? Like those who have experience playing these types of games? I like think it's like a lot of the music from those games really inspired my production style, I think. Really? Because like in Red Alert, Frank Klopaki did the soundtrack and those are some really good instrumentals. And when when I make beats, it sometimes sounds like video game music to me. I I, I must say I was heavily influenced by video game music. I remember when I um, got the money to buy my first Nintendo, mm-hmm. and I had. Well, it's hard not to have all those songs memorized because the you know especially if you're playing the same level over and over again. Yeah, yeah. You know they just like burned into your brain. But like if, I know now, there's like full orchestral interpretations of like video games and people are buying those on recorded on CD and like some of these composers, I mean, they're, they're amazing musical crafts people. I mean, they're just like, it's, they, they were working really hard to make 
a song with a hook that was complicated enough and interesting enough and 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 helps with the drama of a scene or or you know a, a level or whatever yeah. i mean uh I still have Mega Man music in my head and Super Mario Brothers and all that stuff. What what yeah. is um, you, what was that composer's name you said? Cop- Cop- Frank Klopacki. Klopacki. So is he one of your favorites of all, or, or are there others? In He's that? one of the biggest names that stands out as far as video game music. But yeah, I sample video game music quite frequently. So I would say, I mean, because. I had my own sort of obsession or addiction to video games, both on systems, you know, like PlayStation and Nintendo, and then also on computers. And I, I can I can tell you right now that sometimes I'd be on a, playing a game on the computer, actually at this very table that we're staring yeah. at each other over, and my parents would like go to bed, what? And I was in this position looking at the computer screen, and then they'd wake up in the morning, and I would still be in the same place, huh. still. <laughs> still playing this and i think my i think my life got out of balance and um i wasn't getting sun exposure or exercise and everything how do you what you you obviously are very active and you you have a lot of different interests how how do you manage all of that and um and and how what inspired you to 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 be active in life not just on video games i guess once i was able to get out and do stuff my interest in video games kind of just diminished like i used to play runescape a lot i was real into command and conquer but like when you're a kid that's good but once you actually are able to do stuff it's like that's way better because i started bicycling like early really early like going far distances like i remember my parents didn't want me to ride my bike to Guitar Center in Brea, like five miles away, and I did it anyways. <laughs> so bicycling was super empowering for you. It gave you independence. Oh, yeah. So up until that point, it sounds like in a way, I don't know if you'd call it being trapped, but you were your world was much smaller, and the way to entertain yourself within that world was video games. Yeah. But once you were able to leave the house on your own, that's yeah. when your world just got so much broader exactly that's interesting um whereas some people even when they have a car or a bike they'll still just choose to stay within that smaller world and and stay glued to the screen or whatever but you i guess for some reason you're motivated to go beyond that where where you 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 must have some sort of curiosity that motivates you beyond like it's like oh yeah video games are great and i've gotten all of that i can out of them but you wanted to go beyond I, i've always wondered that like especially when i started taking metal shop class in high school like i would always wonder like why am i the only one here that like has this burning desire to build stuff like how come everyone else isn't as inspired as me to like do this stuff yeah and they're giving you i mean at the time it sort of feels like oh i'm just being forced to do this for a semester or a term or whatever um in one ear and out the other but they're giving you these life skills if should you choose to like take it metal seriously. shop metal shop was really empowering for me i i took that junior year as an rop night class and then that was at your belinda high school i was going to but i would take the night class at esperanza and then i liked it so much that i transferred back to esperanza so i could take it like six times a day wow. senior year wow and 
Can you give any credit to any of your peers, mentors, parents? Like, is there anybody that you think may have influenced this desire that you had to? Absolutely. My metal shop teacher, Walt, he was awesome. He inspired me so much. He he was the one that was that talked me into going to college because really? I didn't want to at the time. Wow. And so now and now you're still making stuff with metal and probably just pushing the envelope. I mean, you you said you just made I just built a loft bed out of scrap wood that I found at work. And I don't know, I'm just always building stuff. So not just with metal. You're you're working with all sorts of materials. Yeah. I remember one of the things that I I was excited about because I have a background in art and sculpture, illustration, um, was the, correct me if I'm wrong, that tiki god molded oh, yeah. head that's on the front of your bike. Aku Aku. As, from, is that who from, it is? Uh, from Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Ah, so that, that in itself, I mean, that's pretty cool that you made that. You molded yeah, I, that. I casted the Aku Aku head out of aluminum and made like a bicycle hood ornament out of it see stuff like that and you know i think for me like my parents and i had some cool teachers too but um my parents definitely helped balance my life early on and got me outside and stuff like that and exposed me to different things different skills different activities and everything yeah um uh but uh what's what's cool is um you know, they, we have this whole entertainment industry that it's not just video games, but it's movies and television and theater and everything like that. But it's a very passive experience where you you pay money that you've earned doing something that might not necessarily be that interesting to you. Hmm. Um, some job. Uh, hopefully it's a job that's interesting to you, but a lot of times it's not, you know, uh, but it pays enough. And then you go to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's... You know, whether it's in a movie or on stage or wherever the whatever the medium is, there's all these people having a lot, what I would consider a lot more fun than I am, just sitting there, consuming it. Hmm. You know, the the programmers in the video game, the composer, you know, the uh, you know the actors on stage or on screen, uh, and you know, and and the stories that they're telling are really exciting and dramatic and sad and and um funny and and or you know it's like some crazy adventure that goes all over the world or whatever it is yeah and i've always felt like for me when i was exposed to that through video games and movies and whatever or even books for that matter uh-huh. like for me that also motivated me besides the people that i have in my life that i'm fortunate to have to seek out the reality of it right and and like to you know oh i like that tiki statue aku aku i'm gonna make it myself you know versus just let that be something that i could purchase or appreciate from afar you're immersing yourself in life which is exciting the thing i like about building stuff is you enjoy it a lot better i think as opposed to something you can just buy like you treasure it like there's only one of this in the whole world right you accomplished it you there was a process some you might have run into obstacles that you didn't know if you could get around. Yeah, I think that's the the value in that is priceless. Um, you know, I've bought a lot of toys growing up and different things with my money, and but the minute I sculpted something by myself, and there was like literally challenges that I didn't know if I could surpass them, but I committed to it. 
Yeah. I mean, it's huge. It means so much more to me. And I could throw all that other stuff away or give it away. And, and that's the one. Th- and, and even if the thing I made disappears, just knowing that I accomplished it is, I think, even more valuable than the object itself. Right. Like You still know how to build it. Yeah, exactly. And if you were to build another one, it'd be even better. Yeah. You know, because you have all that experience already. You've learned. I love that you say all that. Um, yeah, we should get on with the rest of the yeah, show. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, well, this is gold right here. This is gold. And I'm <laughs> sure you'd you. make some interesting things out of gold if you found some. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, so name that sound. Um, how are we going to do this? I think we'll have to reenact this. So, so we're going to turn this off for a second. And we're going to go outside. And I'm going to test you on uh, a sound that we hear outside, if that's cool with you. Okay. So um, I just took uh, Peter outside and uh, for name that sound and what happened. I closed my eyes and pointed out the first thing I heard that wasn't a plane or a car. And there were some birds chirping. And then I heard these two high-pitched blips, like really fast. And I knew that was a hummingbird. I was very impressed. Not everybody would figure that out. And then what did I show you after you, you heard it? Then you very specifically described the location of the hummingbird nest in your tree. Yeah, and, yeah. And right before we located the nest, the hummingbird actually flew out, probably yes. from where the nest was. And the, it, this is an ash tree in, in the front yard of my mom's house. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and it just looked like a little lump of on the side of one of the branches. You could sure. barely tell it. It, we, we, um, my wife and I just noticed, and, and daughter, just noticed this nest recently. And what blew my mind is just how high it is. Um, usually, I, I, I know a lot of people who've seen hummingbird nests in their backyards and stuff, but they're usually around eye level or just a little higher than that um, in, the, in a tree or something. But this tree is really tall, mm-hmm. and it's way up there. And um, uh, But what's cool about what you did... Um, and we've offered this on our programs of birding by ear is, um, you know, every bird sounds distinct and, and a lot of times they're so fidgety and, and nervous around people that you have to rely on your sense of hearing sometimes more than sight. And the fact that you were able to, you've, you've obviously identified how many, have you, have you seen the bird making that sound? Like, have you had a visual with the sound at the same time? Yes, I actually have seen it. It looked really, it looked weird. Like, like the bird was like doing all sorts of acrobatics with its tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like moving really fast. And I, and I figured that looks like a lot of effort to make that sound. And it also occurred to me that maybe there are frequencies in there that are beyond the spectrum of human hearing. Ooh, yeah, like like a bat or something. Yeah, because it's really high pitch. Everything okay over there? Yeah, just turning off my sound on my phone. Right on. Name that sound. And now I know. It's um, a video game, and the guy's name is Kaplaki. Frank Klopaki. <laughs> Frank Klopaki. And it was, uh, shoot, what was the name? It was a war-type game. Glory, Command honor. and Conquer, Red Alert. Sorry, Command. <laughs> <laughs> something like that it's command and conquer red alert maybe i won't forget this time. we'll have to put the sound in there too so <laughs> yeah oh definitely yo can you send me that as a sound bite and i'll probably we'll put- edit this together and put 
snippets of everything I'm referencing to. Oh, that would be sweet. Okay, sweet. All right. Well, next, one of my uh, all-time favorite parts of the show. <laughs> it doesn't taste poisonous. Oh, it doesn't. Mm, it doesn't taste poisonous. <laughs> So this is, uh, DJ Pizzakes already fully prepared for this. Um, usually my guests aren't. Usually we go out and forge something on the spot and then they try it out and, and tell us what they think in terms of its taste and, and then we discuss what it is. In this case, Pete has a story to share. Go for it. Okay, so over a little over a year ago, September 2017, I was going to my friend's shop and there was this nature trail on the way there. And he wasn't going to be there for like an hour or two. So I was just walking around. And I guess at the time, I had gotten really into making my own smoothies. So I was like experimenting all the time with different ingredients and stuff. And I'd also been introduced to foraging, maybe by you at the time, or Kautar. And it must was, have been Kautar because we... You're, you shared that story. Wasn't that the first time we met? Yeah, it must have been Kautar because we were into foraging stuff. Like, I would always find figs growing and they taste really good, like better than the ones in the store. Oh, yeah. But this particular day, I found these these plants with these seeds on them. I'd always seen these plants. They have like really massive leaves. They look like cannabis leaves, but it's a different plant. They always grow these really spiky looking seed pods and this was the first time i actually seen the seeds coming out of them and i was like oh maybe this is like one of those seeds the native people use as food so i just started picking them like a lot of them like thinking oh i'm going to use these in my next smoothie so i i tasted it wait, wait hold on so you're you're already foraging a bit and most everything else that you foraged you knew exactly what it was that you were consuming right and so in I this guess, i guess to a certain degree in this instance you're just going in totally blind right like yeah. this is interesting it sort of looks like cannabis it has these spiky seeds but you don't even know the name of this plant i did not know what and it was it's just growing randomly in a you know on a trail or whatever and, and i you guess were, i don't know i was like what, it, what made it look edible to you like because it doesn't like I look at it and, uh, you know, yeah, the leaves look like marijuana and then the stems look like bamboo sort of. Yeah. And the, the, but the fruit where the, the seeds are, they don't look palatable at all to me. I mean, they're real spiny. The seed that themselves aren't spiny. Right. The, the, the seed are surrounded by the spiny part, but so, once they're ready to harvest, like the spiny part gets all dried and crusty right. and flakes away. So I found these seeds, they look kind of like. I don't know, like pinto beans. They're beautiful. Or, or black-eyed peas. Yeah, they look yeah. really good. Really shiny, little pattern on them. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just in the heat of the moment, it seemed like a good idea. <laughs> in the heat I, of I'm, the moment. <laughs> I was. My rationale was, this stuff is growing on the side of a nature trail. I see it growing everywhere. This certainly can't be poisonous. Right, because if it... Well, if it was, at that time, if it was... If there was something poisonous along a nature trail, what did you think? Somebody would remove it? 
or it's just impossible for there to be poisonous things growing in nature like this was like a kind of a a maintained park kind of place so i wouldn't expect there Uh, to be poisonous stuff growing in it because humans would have managed it as such because yeah people are walking by like they'd be be like like, oh that's deadly we got to remove it yeah okay all right I'll, i'll give you credit for that so you're assuming humans are managing this for our safety Yes, the, okay. the big assumption. <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge assumption. All right, go on. So I, I took a taste of one. It, it tasted like a combination of jalapeno bread and peanut butter. Which sounds fantastic. And it was delicious. Like you, chew, So you on the trail, you took the bean and chewed it up in your mouth and swallowed it. Yes. You didn't like taste it and spit it out. You just no, like went all... No, because I was like, if, if it tastes this good, it wouldn't be poisonous. <laughs> Oh, damn. Like, poisonous stuff doesn't taste good, right? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Wait, and you're with somebody? No, or, I was by myself. By yourself. Okay, got it. So, I, I was like, I don't think I ate, like, a full breakfast that day. So, I was like, you know what? I'm just going <sighs> to eat these. So Right I, there on the spot. I just started husking them all and just popping them in my mouth. Like, I must have ate, like, a few dozen. Oh, and that was like, wow, I feel nourished now, like satisfied or? I guess a little bit. But like anyway. By the, by the 12th, how did you feel? I felt these taste good. I'm going to keep eating them. <laughs> <laughs> like you're on to something. Like I've just found like, the dude, best this food is, ever. This is genius. Like I took a picture of the plant, <laughs> oh, the no. seeds and everything. I was going to write a blog post about it. Oh. <laughs> like my new smoothie ingredient. Like I was feeling like a genius or something at the time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And then, so what? What was the time frame now? Like uh, you, you consume them. You're all you. T- you documented them. What happens next? So eventually, my friend shows up at his shop, and I meet him there, and we start working on stuff. Like hours later, I, I suppose, like an hour, an hour and a half okay. passed between. I first started noticing something was wrong. What does that mean? Like, I, I like I got nauseous and I threw up. But then I at your friend's house or at his shop, yeah, at his shop. And then I came back to the machine. Like to, I was talking to him about something, and then I, I kept talking to him. And then I I had to throw up again. And I was like, really, this is unusual. Like usually when I throw up, I don't have to throw up again. Like immediately after. Was it violent, or are you like one of those calm vomiters where you just like <laughs> it just comes out like, oh, that's strange, you know. It was. It felt more forced than usual. Like somebody like, maybe punched you in the stomach and then it came out, or. Well, I had nothing in my stomach and I was still throwing up. That's oh. how unusual it was. That feel like, like that uh, seems like it would hurt, like the the pressure or whatever. And or, castor bean, what they say kills you, is the dehydration because you can't keep anything down. I was drinking water. I would just throw it up immediately, and by the third or fourth time I threw up, my friends like, "All right, there's something wrong." Like. What happened? Like, and then I told him about these things that I ate. Uh huh. And I showed him the picture of it. He's like, "That might be castor bean," and <laughs> he's like, "That's poisonous." And I'm like, "Really?" And I was just in like total state of shock. <laughs> really? <laughs> and we called poison control, and the more shocking part was they just said go immediately to the ER. They didn't give like any remedy whatsoever. <laughs> oh damn. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten into? So my friend drove me to the hospital and I was still throwing up like in the hospital lobby. So this is like two hours into this at this point, maybe, or an hour and a half? 
yeah about that time okay and we checked in and i told him what happened and this waiting room was full of people and the sign on the wall said patients are admitted in order of urgency and i had just gotten there and they t- called my name i'm like oh shit <laughs> this is serious that that is so okay how did you survive? I mean, uh, if you can't hold water or anything, oh, what did they do? So I just got in there. I was still throwing up. And they hooked me up to an IV to restore my fluids. And after about an hour or two, I started feeling better. And the throwing up subsided. And I went home that night. And I lived. That was the end. After eating roughly 12 castor beans. Yeah, probably more than that. Probably more. And then after researching it, there's some video on YouTube like, castor bean is the world's most dangerous plant. <laughs> like, and this stuff is just growing everywhere. Like You can find it all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> and to add insult to injury, well, two things. One, it's not even a native plant to this area, so my assumption was completely wrong about natives eating it. And two... Months prior, I actually had been stabbed in the arm by one of those seed pods. Mm-hmm. I was riding my bike. And wait, the, wait. Plants don't stab people. How how did this happen? Well, I was riding my bike, <laughs> and this castor bean plant was hanging over into the bike lane. Uh-huh. And I was like, all right, I have two options. Either swerve into traffic or get hit by this plant. So uh. I took the plant, and it stabbed me in the arm. And it made my forearm numb. And that's you mean seemed, you rammed yourself into the plant? I, I, I'm because the plant yes, didn't jump did, out and stab did. you. It's not like the weeping willow or, or whomping <laughs> no. willow. Okay, and and what happened? Sorry. And like right at the end of the street, my arm started getting numb. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's scary. And it, I guess I didn't put two and two together that this was the same plant that made my arm numb. <laughs> oh man. Well, good thing your old body didn't end up being numb from eating the beans. It just irritated your bowels to the, or your stomach, stomach to the and... point where you couldn't even. Wow, that's that's. It's great that people like you can have these experiences, and then everybody <laughs> else can learn. <laughs> learn from... I was I was pretty discouraged after that whole experience. Like, why hasn't anybody told me this? Like, how come they're not teaching this in health class? I mean, come on. Yeah. This stuff's growing everywhere. Like, well, I I, I didn't know, even know what it was called. I didn't know anything about it. That is, I think that is a travesty that people aren't educated about their environment, um, which is obviously one of the reasons our charity exists. Yeah. Um, is just to get people all. I mean, really, this was all common knowledge at one time. Not yeah, and in. I don't know how much you know about the back history on castor bean. Do you know? I, I did some research. Yeah. And the company Castrol, the motor oil company, is actually named after castor oil, which they used to use as an engine lubricant back in the early 20th century. Yeah, there you go. So it's a very was very important for the automotive industry. And castor bean oil, like once you cook it, I guess, it's like an incredible laxative and they used to use it as a torture device in Italy or something. I don't know. And and um, people use it to endur- induce labor. Uh, my dad, uh, you know, he was born in the 50s. And kids up into, 
uh, you know, a few decades ago would have spoonfuls of castor oil. You go back like Little Rascals, you know, mm. back in the was that the 30s and 40s. Um, there's actually footage on in some of the episodes, or at least one where the kids have to take a spoonful of castor oil. Hmm. And I'm imagining maybe it was just to keep them able to go to the bathroom. Like maybe if they were eating too much, you know, protein or something and not enough fiber. Huh. I, I'm not really sure. But um, it's a it's a major crop. It's used in facial moisturizers. Yeah. And, and you know, Orange County was all farmland. Yeah. So there's a reason it's here. And it's just growing. Use it as lantern fuel. fuel. It yeah. has a lot of purposes. Tons, and yeah. it's poisonous. Yeah. And and ricin poison. Ricin is the toxin that's in yeah. it that you want to avoid. Um, this, I mean, I'm glad we're talking about this on this podcast because maybe somebody will hear this and actually learn something, you know, and that wasn't familiar <laughs> with. Yeah, not eat it. I mean, but... But, but I, I, I guess... Not to your ta- credit. I mean, eating something you don't even know what it is is uh, like quite risky uh it, you know for not having any background on it i, I mean I guess you're, the, you're, the you're, real claim to fame i guess is that i know what it tastes like <laughs> <laughs> yes i i wish i knew what it tastes like because because peanut butter spicy jalapeno peanut butter sounds amazing that i mean that reminds me of like what is it indonesian food or something <laughs> or yeah i mean or thai food or something like that it sounds incredible if there was some way to harness the flavor profile and get rid of the, you know, it did the have toxic a, effect. It did have a noticeable, like, like spiciness or something. That was that might have been the rice, and I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. Um, but it, when you're eating it, it was like there was nothing telling you that there's something wrong with this. It was just like, this tastes good. Yeah. (laughs) More. (laughs) Mas por favor. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Uh, You know, and the reason this show, this segment of the show exists is because my friend Jesse did the same thing as you. And we were wondering about a plant that neither of us could identify. And he just took a taste of it and said, it doesn't taste poisonous. (laughs) And I was watching him in disbelief. Like, how could you do that? You don't even know what this is. Yeah. But now I know two people at least that would be willing to do this. But I think I think one of the lessons, and we may have mentioned this in prior podcasts, is um, well, obviously you shouldn't eat something you don't know what it is. Yes. <laughs> but but also think about how we blindly trust supermarkets. For example, and yeah, like, go into a grocery store. We might not even, you know, say you've never had a certain fruit that they're selling in the store. You don't know, you know, one, you don't know if you have any sensitivities to it. Two, you're trusting that it's clean, doesn't have any bacteria on it, is is the proper ripeness or whatever, or proper yeah. condition. There's all these things that we assume, you know, through regulation or whatever and distribution that, that somehow it's not going to kill you. And people die or get really sick from stuff food they buy in the grocery store and they're not even foraging it (laughs) so you know i think i think what you were doing in some ways is just what people do constantly all the time and sometimes they end up in the hospital on an iv literally from like spinach that they just bought you know or something like that so even the stuff we're told is good isn't necessarily always going to be so right Um, yeah i mean I'm a lot more careful with what I forage now. Uh, yeah, you. <laughs> I, I'm amazed you're still willing to forage because that could be traumatic. You know, it's almost like uh, 
you would have post-traumatic stress disorder related to that plant. Like the next time you see it, you're like start screaming and crying or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, castor bead, please. Uh, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be good because you, you see it everywhere. <laughs> I know, it's everywhere. And a, and a quite important and usable um, product in our economy. So, you know, I guess it's just, it's helpful to know. And yeah. knowing is half the battle, right? G.I. <laughs> Joe. So, um Anyway, let's move on and shoot, we're probably not going to have too much more time, um, but let's do urban myths. Is it true or is it false? I don't know, so let's find out on urban myths. Because, uh, you know, we talked about recycling and the myths in that realm. Uh-huh. What's an urban myth for you? Well, I, I like to think that I uncovered the most important conspiracy ever when i found out about orgasmic childbirth orgasmic childbirth orgasmic birth the best kept secret yeah and that the myth being that childbirth is supposed to be painful ah but i i'm pretty adamant that the actual biological function of female orgasm is for painless childbirth really yeah, now, this is I'm learning something right now. This is fascinating. I've I've been critical of how modern Western medicine has treated birth childbirth, you yes. know, in terms of you know, changing the position of the woman so she's on her back, which is horrible, and you know, should she should be squatting or whatever position is comfortable for her yeah. at the time and and you know, and some people try to do it on, in water and and whatever. And you would think over you know, our evolution, we would be uh, adapted to just have unassisted childbirth like all the other organisms in the world. But somehow, yeah. like, you know, we've been convinced. Industry taking it over. And- right. But but this is something that I haven't heard before. So continue. I, I There's this really good documentary called Orgasmic Birth, The Best Kept Secret, where they talk about orgasmic birth and all that. But the thing that what I put two and two together was I took a human sexuality class in college and they flat out told us that scientists have not found out the actual function of female orgasm because it's not required for conception, but they just flat out said they don't know. Huh? But I'm taking it a step further and saying like the documentary says childbirth can be ecstatic. It can be painless. I'm saying it's supposed to be like that. Like, this is the actual function of female orgasm. Interesting. So, but, okay. Anybody in our culture would probably immediately jump on that and say, wait a second, I know of a lot of people who have had really painful births and everything, and what, why, and it lasted a really long time. Why is that? Is it because of the position they were in? Because they're not prepared properly? What, what's, like, why are people not having orgasmic births like they should? I think this isn't really my field of to be speaking <laughs> right, based not, on my biology. You don't have a PhD in <laughs> orgasmic childbirth? Well, not only that, I don't have the anatomy. <laughs> true, true. So two men, you know, probably aren't the but best judges of, of this process. It It's probably all in the mind. I mean, that's why it's a myth that it's supposed to be painful. Well, we, we can definitely psychologically make things painful or make things more painful than they are, right? Just by our thought process yeah. and our fear. Fear definitely plays into that, right? Uh-huh. And anxiety and 
not knowing, probably scared, you know, and hearing all the stories of other people going through painful, you know, you're setting yourself up psychologically for that, right? Yeah. Huh. So, so I, I want to, it's a yeah, pretty good documentary. Yeah, I could lend what, it to you sometime. Well, I, and, and so, um, your honest review of this documentary, is it, um, is it saying with authority what you're talking about now, or is it still a little bit like, well, we're figuring this out and we're researching it or, or it isn't I, making as bold of a claim as I am. Probably. Okay. All right. But, but this is a, a, a perspective that I haven't heard before. So I'm really curious. Uh, I do know a few people who have had natural childbirth on it. Like, if they were assisted at all, it was in the home and it was with like a, what do you call it? A doula midwife. or a midwife or something. Yeah. And, but they basically just, they weren't on a hospital bed, you know, under lights or any of that stuff. They just did it the way they were comfortable doing it. Yeah. And they were successful. And, um, and then I've heard like people of women who have had more than one, um, it gets easier each time they do it, hmm. um, for different, you know, probably multiple reasons but uh in any case um this would be something to ask those friends of mine hmm. to find out how did it really feel i'm really curious uh i feel like a lot of things we do in our society outside of childbirth the way we like we're doing it right now the way we sit in chairs a lot whereas you know our body is only adapted to sit in a chair for so long before we're starting to create chronic problems for ourselves you know so i think there's a lot of things that we do in our daily life that probably can negatively impact ourselves long term including childbirth the way we're living the as as opposed to how people may have lived thousands of years ago or or hundreds of years ago yeah matter huh that's fascinating i didn't expect you to say that for the urban I remember thinking, like, if I was on the show, what would I do for urban myth? Oh, obviously, orgasmic birth. (laughs) That's the biggest conspiracy ever. I mean, why why wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot, I'm I'm hooked on this new topic. All right. Well, but moving on, um, do we want to? Well, I'm not prepared for trail mix yet, so let's do shit in the woods. Sure. All right, and then we'll then we'll do trail mix. so so are you prepared i forget how does this go (laughs) (laughs) so basically we're gonna walk outside and i'm gonna watch you are you gonna dig a hole and i'm gonna watch and i'll put it on i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) well good thing i found that shovel (laughs) right that's right you did see you came prepared and he's not lying he actually found a shovel on the street that he donated to us yeah um a little one um but (laughs) perfect for digging a hole to poop in um (laughs) no so uh you know this is another thing humans have been doing since humans were humans um and other animals do it too you know, pooping in places, and and you know if you've if you've listened to our prior podcast with Scott Celtic Knot, you know he likes even singing about pooping and composting your poo. And I, I, I totally... got two compost toilets at the same <laughs> damn time. Right, exactly. And you know it's you know if anything, um, when we poop in a toilet, this is what bothers me about it personally. We're withholding these important gifts 
a fertilizer for all of our our plant relatives. I mean, if you think about it, for for you know uh, since prehistory, we would poop under trees, behind trees, and these trees were benefiting from that. And now we slurry it all away, and it, and wasting all this potable water. And it, don't let me get. I, I'm I'm already getting started. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know so. But uh, Jamie Heber and Scott, they have their poop in a hole stories out in nature. I'm really curious, DJ Pete's sake, have you pooped in nature or even in a neighborhood, but not, I mean, exclusively outside of a toilet, you know? Well, I don't know if I have a story for myself that I can remember, but the one I was going to share. Wait, 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 wait. So have you done it though? You just don't remember? Like camping anywhere? Or have you always, as far as you can remember, pooped in a toilet? I want to say there was at least one time, but I can't specifically remember it. Wow. How have you wiped that from your... I'm <laughs> I'm amazed. If it was only one time, too. I mean, that's fine. I'll accept that. It's just like... Or maybe, you I'm, would just, think it'd be more maybe I'm just being embarrassed because I haven't, or... <laughs> I know. If anything, most people would be embarrassed if they had, but on our show, they're embarrassed if they haven't. <laughs> no pressure, right? Okay, okay. But you got a story. Yes. I, I, I'm I'm hanging on your words. Go ahead. I have a friend who was really into shitting outside. Like, there was this swamp area near my neighborhood and... Wait, this is in... In Yorba Linda? In Yorba Linda. Okay. And like... Whenever we went, like, if he had the shit, he was going to do it there. Like, he didn't care. That was the spot, this swamp. So this is, like, and this is standing water near your house or something? It's in, not, like, all water. It's, like, it's like one of those natural areas with trees and stuff. In your Belinda. Not developed. Interesting. Yeah. We, we all, back in the day, had our little pockets of wildness, right? So this yeah. is yours. Got it. And what's even funnier is one time we went there, someone had, like, toilet papered the place and there was like still toilet paper hanging from the tree <laughs> and he used that <laughs> to wipe <laughs> but that's not that's not the story okay the one time we were up in chino hills and at the top of the hill there's like this podium which is a geocache which i'm sure you're probably familiar with yes for anybody who's not familiar it's like a scavenger hunt where people leave little boxes with notes in them or little trinkets or whatever. And, and there's this whole, it's all been, the coordinates have been documented online and, and on devices. So you can run around with your GPS global positioning system and find these objects. And yes. sometimes they'll get you to really unique, interesting places that most people wouldn't know exist uh -huh. if they weren't sca scavenging, right? Yeah. So go on. So there's this podium at the top of the hill like overlooking the city and it opens up and inside it's a geocache and people put all kinds of stuff there. Like I've actually found a bag of weed in there once. Oh really? <laughs> but this time my friend took a shit, not in the podium, but like on the side of the podium. What? And he's Why? like, and, and apparently he got the idea that let's just put it in the podium. So he picked up his shit and put it in the podium. No. And we closed it and, and we left. Oh. And the next day I went back up there and I ran into like another group of cyclists and I thought it would be funny. Like, what if I just start talking about this podium and just act completely oblivious to the fact that there's a shit in there? 
So, <laughs> so wait, I, how old are you guys? High school age, probably. The perfect age to do this sort of thing. Okay. And these are like some older guys there. I'm like, I'm like, hey, you guys know this? This opens up, and there's stuff in it, right? And they're like, really? So I open it, just like pretending I don't know what's in it. And one of the guys to the other is like, what's in there? He's like, a bunch of papers and a turd. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just still like playing it cool. Like I'm like, oh, f- just slam it shut. <laughs> <laughs> that was my huge prank of the day. <laughs> were they grossed out or were they? Yeah, I think they were kind of disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, looking back, do you think they suspected you at all? No. You were that good as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. It, just, it, Who, it was just a spur of the but, moment. But this is, okay, I suppose I did things that I can't fully explain back in the day, but were you getting back at geocachers with this? <laughs> like, what was the angle? Like, or Or was it just like, I don't know what to do with this poop. Let's <laughs> stick it in a podium because it's there. Well, people put all kinds of junk in that podium anyways, so I guess my friend was like, oh, this can't hurt. It can't. <laughs> but, okay, here's the other thing. I don't like touching poo. How the heck did he carry it into the podium? I think he lifted it with some pieces of paper, like folded in half. Oh, <laughs> this is so nasty. I, th- I don't know. I, I, we might have been trying to convince him not to do it, but the fact that he was willing to pick it up... So do you think he still is like obsessed with poo in this way? Like, do you think he's taking it to another level and is like pooping in like, like clothing hangers and like clothing <laughs> stores or like, you know, hidden no, places? I, I don't think that, but my other friend, he suspected him of having like some ancient Aztec DNA relating to copromania or some shit like that. What? I think that's like a step too far to be suspecting, but. I don't know. He was a good role model in terms of shitting outdoors. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. He had no inhibitions about it. Mm -hmm. Would he do it in front of you? Well, we wouldn't look, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious, like, how far this guy... It's like, hey, it's no big deal. It's nature, right? And he's like, I'm just going to do it right in front of you right now. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, have you heard, like, I haven't been to these places, but supposedly somewhere in Asia... You know, they have toilets where the hole is in the ground. Like, and you squat down. You know, it's not a raised, you know, bowl or platform like we have here. And people are like squatting next to each other. There's no divider. Hmm. And then these are what public restrooms are like in, I don't know, India or somewhere. Well, for a constellation, I guess my closest thing to me having a shitting in the woods story would be there's this bathroom at the beach in Carlsbad. Mm-hmm. And the toilet is like not a regular toilet. Like on top, it's a toilet, but below it, it just empties into this tank. Okay. So, so that, that's the closest you've been. Yeah, I just felt like, <laughs> I guess, I, I think I was on a long bike ride and I had to shit really bad. And I, I, once I got there, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I look and it's just this whole like, oh, <laughs> just the, the sensation of like jet streaming shit into this tank. <laughs> it was like so satisfying (laughs) oh it's satisfying i'm glad that's that's fantastic so uh okay i have a homework assignment for you (laughs) and you don't have to you know i it it, if you don't perform this that's fine but if there if you're in some natural area wherever that may be 
and it's there's not a whole lot of visitation like the trails aren't populated so much uh one of these one of these days i want you to do it and then take that and then you're gonna have to come back and tell me how it went (laughs) because like i've had i kid you not i've had every type of experience doing this and one of my favorites was i was on a road trip with my family and i had to go really bad and this was in cambria and i found this natural area um surrounded by neighborhood but i found this cluster of pine trees and went inside and dug a hole and when i was going this deer walked right in front of me so i mean that that was amazing living in lad canyon in silverado one time i was going and we had a composting toilet rigged up under our house Mm. and um one of my favorite birds a canyon wren uh, which has this beautiful descending song. It's It's like a record slowing down. Huh. It's one of the coolest sounds a bird makes. And you only find them in canyons, which I love canyons. Um, uh, you know, steep rocky walls, the the corridor of trees and the stream coming through the middle. Anyway, I'm squatting and the thing literally goes underneath my legs <laughs> and like starts taking a dirt bath. And they're tiny little birds with this little hook bill. And you know, you see, so I would say one of the reasons to do it is just for the wildlife encounters that you have. It's yeah. pretty, and and they're not going to judge <laughs> the animals. They do it themselves, you know. So, anyway, moving on. So we're going to do trail mix now. Hey, what's in your trail mix? Okay, so I pulled something out of um, the recycle bin, uh, and uh, tell me what you said. This is Trader Joe's cracker assortment, and I was looking at him like, I think I ate some of these over Christmas break, <laughs> but I think the one we had was slightly different. It was only three varieties. Oh, how many varieties does this one have? This one is for four. vegetable entertainer cracker, wheat entertainer cracker, original water cracker, pepper and poppy water cracker. Not that I know what any of that means. <laughs> the, the two and, th- and they're product of Canada. I remember that. <laughs> oh, really? Product of Canada. And the fact that the two of them are entertainer <laughs> crackers. We do import entertainers from Canada, don't we? I mean, a lot of comedians. Justin Bieber? Yeah, then and, and musicians, singers. Yeah, they're from Canada. That's true. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, this is interesting. So, <laughs> Oh, the entertainer ones have a longer ingredient list, so we'll probably oh, do that. Please, we please. Will, we shall entertain that. Uh, I'm listening. So, I just read it? Yeah, read it. And if you have a comment about any of the ingredients, fire away. All right. We'll try the vegetable entertainer cracker. Enriched, <laughs> enriched wheat flour, parentheses, wheat flour, nakin, nayak. How do you pronounce that? That's a good question. This is this is the area where you either just pronounce it however you want to with I'm authority. Already, well, I think it might be niacin, niacin. I don't know. Right? right. Is that what N I A C I N? Or yes, okay. niacin reduced iron, thymine mononitrate, riboflavin, folic acid, sunflower oil, dehydrated. Or end parentheses after the folic acid. Sunflower oil, dehydrated vegetable, and seasoning blend, which contains carrot, onion, wheat, flour, salt, celery, sugar, tomatoes, red bell pepper, onion powder, green bell pepper, and then sugar, glucose from corn, ammonium bicarbonate, sodium bicarbonate, salt, protease, I almost thought that said prostate. (laughs) There's some prostate mixed in there. May contain traces of sesame seed. 
And that's it? Yes. Well, that's... I don't know if that's very good. But Are you it's not, entertained? It's not... <laughs> right. Yeah, there should be audience applause after you read that ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Yeah! So, so, any comments on any of those ingredients? I mean, you, you look I, confused I'm or curious disoriented. about the vegetable... Dehydrated vegetable and seasoning blend contains sugar. Wait, sugar is a vegetable? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it comes from beets, right? I suppose so. So distant, distant. Reduced iron, which in metallurgical terms is iron oxide, which is rust. So do you think they're actually collecting rust from like old fence posts or something (laughs) and just sprinkling it in? I think they have a different way of getting it. But But, but it's rust, basically. Yes. Okay. Wait a minute. No, reduced iron is not rust. Reduced iron is rust without the oxide. Oh, Forgive okay. Me. All right. Uh, what How else? would they get that? Mine? Is it mined? I have no idea. Or created? Huh. Okay. Well, you reduce iron from iron oxide. So you do like, I don't know if they use the Bessemer process anymore or whatever hmm. you learn in history class. And they're doing this in Canada, right? Well, actually, this could be coming from all over the world, These the ingredients. I've seen reduced iron as an ingredient on lots of bread products. It's an enrichment or like I, a vitamin fortification. So they're making sure that we're all healthy by adding putting these... Iron new, to adding it. iron to it. Because otherwise, we might deficient be deficient, right? If we're only eating processed foods. Like yeah, if, I guess. If we're not eating iron-rich whole foods, we got to rely on the, the food industry to fortify. It might have been that when they make... Like white flour, it removes a lot of the nutrients, so they have to add them back in. Oh, okay. So that's why it says enriched flour because it's flour with stuff added to it. Anyways, what else? Well, it says glucose on it, which is sugar, and then sugar is the ingredient right before glucose. <laughs> <laughs> so this might be a case of them ingredient splitting to make it look like there's less sugar in it. Ah. That way it's further down on the ingredients list. How addictive are these crackers? Uh, they're pretty good. If you're hungry, I imagine somebody... It's one of those foods where it makes you want to keep eating it. Yes. And sugar is definitely a, one of the... Sugar and salt would be two key ingredients to keep people wanting more, I would say. Yeah. I've never heard of protease, P-R-O-T-E-A-S-E, like professional at teasing someone. (laughs) I've never heard of that either. That was one of the biggest curiosities for me when you read it. Um, At least I didn't read the wheat ones because that has whey powder, which isn't vegan. It has caramel color. Does everybody know where whey is from? Do you know where whey is from? Whey is a, a byproduct of like milk production. Yeah, if you're making cheese, you can, if you, so a really easy way to make, get whey is um, take milk, boil it for a while, and then add um, acid to it, like Mm. citric acid um, or some sort of acid, a small amount, and that'll cause the whey to separate from the curds. And then, so basically... The curds are what are lumped together in a cheesecloth and and squeezed and stored as cheese. And the whey is all the liquid that separates from it. And whey has a lot of protein in it. 
Um, and Didn't it like used to be a waste product from the cheese production, and then they found a market for it in like all these protein powders and stuff. Yeah, you got it. You got it. But yeah, anything else? Uh, nah. And you're you're veg? Are you vegan or vegetarian? Yeah, I'm vegan. Vegan. All so right. I'm quite keen at reading ingredients lists at this point. How how can you not? It's it's. Uh, you know, going to, I remember, <laughs> didn't we go to Yen Ching's and, and the, the least vegan friendly place <laughs> at, at, at the end of our bike ride? And um, did you eat anything? Yeah, I just got rice, I think. Rice, which they probably like poured chicken broth all over it or something. Hopefully not. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I went, I rode to West Fullerton on back in the fall and I was like looking for a place to eat and I went to Burger Town that restaurant I mentioned earlier yeah and I asked them if their beans were vegan and they're like no we put bacon oil in it so then I went to Taqueria de Anda and I asked them if their beans were vegan or their stuff and they said they put lard in the beans and they put ch- like chicken powder in the rice yeah I'm like what there's a such thing as chicken powder chicken powder so chickens are now becoming powder <laughs> so then I, I was like, "All right, I'm crossing these two off of my list of places to eat at." Now. It's it's tough to be a vegan. Uh, I was vegan for a long while. Um, uh, I'm not now, um, but uh, I think this is a good segue. Um, unless you wanted to ha- make any other comments about the entertainment crackers from our Trader Joe's cracker assortment, anything else um, you want to say before we move on? I'm quite entertained. <laughs> oh good <laughs> it was entertaining listening to you try to pronounce things i can't for the life of me i have no idea what is the proper way to pronounce half of those things so you did it you you, you said it with authority i took chemistry that, so i feel like i should know how to that's, say it. you know and that's a good point you have to be a chemist in order to understand what the heck you're reading on these these processed like I saw, foods i saw ammonium bicarbonates and that's i think i remember the chemical formula for that it's like NH4CO2O3 or something. Oh my gosh. You, you're, now you're really impressing our, our listeners and myself. Yeah. I'll take your word for it because I'm not looking it up. <laughs> I don't remember what it was though. So, <laughs> Well, um, so I don't know how much you like talking about your diet, but um, I feel like this... Oh, absolutely. This fits into... Oh, you do. Okay. This fits into my no escape section of our podcast no escape the problems here are everywhere no escape the time has come for life repair Uh, how much time do we have because you need to take Uh, we got at least 20 minutes 20 minutes we got 20 minutes because you you take the bus from the orange mall yeah, one? the Brea Mall. Oh, the Brea Mall. So, but I'm going to take a, another bus to the Brea Mall. All right. So, and I, the reason I'm including this in the podcast is because, you know, the thing about commuting using alternative transportation is you always have to plan everything out. It's and like an adventure. It is an adventure. It, you know, some people might say, "Oh, the inconvenience is like a problem," uh, and and like a, um, it's tedious, it's laborious, it's all these things. And really, it just takes a modification of your perspective. And and if you know what you're doing in advance and plan in advance, and you could even leave time and room for, like, really creating a full adventure. Yeah. Would you like, say? 
I got into biking well before I learned how to drive. And once I got my license, I was like, so what? I can already get around by bike. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's. I think, you know, that old saying, what, stop and smell the roses or whatever. When you're on a bicycle, you find a shovel. You, yeah. you, you meet interesting people. You notice things at a much... Even even if you're a fast rider, you still notice things because you're not going as fast as a car and you're not insulated. Yes. And I and I love it because this time of year, it's going to be springtime and you just smell all sorts of stuff like orange blossoms, oh. jasmine, lavender. It's amazing. Yeah, so you're actually increasing the amount of stimulation you get in your life. You're obviously getting exercise and you're getting... You're living a quality life i feel i mean it's just like it's night and day you drive a car and 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 we're and we're so desensitized to that process in itself plus it's keeping us it's sheltering us from our senses you know what's going on outside yeah especially when it's temperature controlled and everything people aren't even rolling down their windows anymore you know they're not getting the smells they're not yeah and they talk about like like when when they're upset with somebody else driving They'll talk about um, like the car as if it's alive. Like they don't even talk about the person inside. Like, oh, that damn, you know, or I don't know. It's just like it removes the human element. Yeah, uh, uh, we all, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I, I think, mean, there's certainly ahead. a lot of ego involved with car ownership. And I didn't like, I never wanted the concept of owning a car to seem like too much trouble. It is a lot of trouble. I mean, the, just the financial costs are endless because yeah. you have to maintain the thing. You have to pay for gas or pay to plug it in or whatever. Um, and, and bicycles, I think, you know, if you really want to be independent, I think they're one of the, besides walking, which is also fantastic, yeah. you know, but uh, it's amazing how fast you can get somewhere on a bicycle if you've been doing it regularly and you have yeah. a good bike. If you have... This is my two advice. If you're going to bike, make sure the handlebars are high enough and make sure the seat is high enough. And then you can go fast. <laughs> yeah, right on. And it doesn't hurt. Yeah, you get, com- comfort is very important. Uh, you can really ruin yourself if your bike isn't made for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I agree with that. So um, getting back to your diet, and you could talk about biking or whatever else. This is the no escape section where we just talk about how the world's going and, and our, our opinion on it. So, um, what in your world, riding bikes, being a vegan, what, like, what's that like? Do you, do you, do you need to vent to me now? Is there, is there anything um, that irks you about the world that you just want to get off your chest or something? I guess I'll, I would say that I've reached the point in my development personally where I realized that thoughts and feelings are way more important than whatever's going on out there. Cause those are the only things I can really control. Ah, so that's interesting. Cause I'm coming off of this morning doing a mindfulness, uh, meditation and nature walk at San Diego park where we were talking about what you're saying, Yeah. where we have a choice in the matter when it's, when it's in our head as to how we're going to think, what we're going to think, the judgments that we're going to make. So based on what you just said, are you managing to avoid negative thought processes 
at this point and you're just you're taking things in a neutral or in a non-judgmental way or in a like putting a positive spin and looking for the opportunities versus what's wrong with the situation uh, how do I say this <laughs> um, I guess seeing everything that happens to you as a benefit even if it doesn't appear to be so like eating a bunch of castor beans and and having to go to the hospital uh yeah maybe <laughs> um i know i love being, what this train of thought is i good. guess relentless optimism yeah like not even acknowledging certain things that bother you or would bother most people or this is and this is how you are on a day-to-day basis yeah like it must maybe it's just me but basically like reverse engineering the way you think and getting rid of all the parts that you don't like i i you know what the sign me up this is <laughs> this is this is the um procedure that i think i i should follow as well I think a lot of us in this day and age, uh, I know I dwell on a lot of negatives sometimes, and that's why it's hard, I'm to, it's hard to give an example of this because, you know, just keep going. Well, what if, okay, can you um, think of a recent incident that happened to you, whether it was riding a bike in the process of consuming food as a vegan or some as- other aspect of your life when you were just going about your business where somebody else might react in a negative way to what happened to you. Whereas you just took it in stride and continued forward, learned from whatever happened and made it into a positive. What what, was a recent incident where this, there would be another perception that's, uh, you know, negative. I guess one that stands out was I went to whole foods and I bought a loaf of bread and I was going to eat it. And then I noticed that it had milk in it. And at first I was like, oh, fuck Whole Foods. These guys are trying to poison me. Like, what is this bullshit? Like, why are they putting milk in bread still? Like, mm-hmm. getting angry at that. So you have those thoughts. Yeah, you, I mean. You're capable of those. Okay. It, it flares up. I just want to know you that just you're human. To, you just have to <laughs> <laughs> Go on. But then I, I noticed like hold on shut up why are you getting angry at bread (laughs) yes look just eat it and ignore it it's inconsequential like that's a big thing is ignoring the inconsequential like Mm. you can make yourself more sick and more miserable with that with that negative thought process than the bread might ever make you right yeah it's all in the mind and I catch myself having those outbursts of anger sometimes and I'm getting better at noticing it. And I was just like, you know what? There are people who would be very glad to have this bread, so I'm just going to eat it. That's amazing. I, a very simple concept. And yet, I think for a lot of us listening and in the world today, it's it's very easy, very convenient to go in that downward spiral when something as inconsequential as bread with milk in it is presented (laughs) to us, you know? Um, 
but why get upset? Why ruin your life? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, this, I love that you're saying this. This is rules to live by, I think. And, and it takes practice. I mean, like you're saying, you're getting more aware of it, right? Yeah. Over time. And, and then you can take that step back, take a deep breath, whatever it is. Imagine you're like a bird's eye view of yourself, <laughs> you know, uh, why am I acting this way? This it's, is it getting me anywhere? Is it going to fix the problem? If I, if I'm really concerned about this issue, how can I be proactive and, and, you know, learn from this and, and get, you know, improve for next time. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So we're, we don't have too much time left. Um, we can do, do you want to do some Sage Scrub Superman? Um, that one sounds good. Yeah. And we're going to test your skills. Um, so is that the one like name a certain? Yes. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Okay, good, good. So I think we'll finish with that is uh, while I'm looking up, um, some questions here. Uh, and this is, this is our game show portion of this. Uh, All right. If you didn't figure that out, but, um, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about yourself, your music before we get into the trivia? Is oh, this I where... shouldn't say trivia. Sorry. Cause Scott already pointed out that trivia means it's, it's not, not important. <laughs> yeah. It's not important. This is important information. So anyway, go on. Well, I, I don't, I guess this is my chance to self promote all my stuff. Please. So I mentioned my YouTube channel is called Squashy Grapefruit. I've been posting like bicycle quests and my music and all sorts of random vlogs and stuff. My my brother and I have a blog called Greens and Machines, which has a YouTube channel by the same name, but mainly the website greensandmachines.com. His side of it is more the gardening. He does home brewing. My side of it is like machining, metalworking, and... What was the third thing? Yeah, my SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash DJ Pete's sake. And I think that's about it. I'm trying to keep my internet presence simple enough. <laughs> I don't have like social media and stuff like that. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, and uh, so now let's get into it. Faster than a speeding roadrunner. More powerful than a mountain lion. <laughs> Able to smell sage from across town. Look up where it's dry. It's a quail. It's a coyote. It's Sage Scrub Superman. All right. Thank, yeah, and then again, thank you for being here. Uh, I really appreciate you being willing to be my interviewee. And uh, thank you for helping with the audio on this particular podcast episode. I love... I think when we take a photo of ourselves for this episode, because I want to put a photo of us, um, I want to make sure that my grapefruit <laughs> microphone is visible in the photo. Of can course. We, can we do that? Okay, perfect. So, uh, Sage Grove Superman, uh, I would have to ask you, you're living in Walnut and you're renting a room, correct? Yes. In Walnut. Uh, and, um, let's see what I remember something you said over the phone. You said Walnut is the most convenient place I've ever lived. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Did I say it right? Or one of the most convenient places? Yeah. I lived in Costa Mesa and that was really convenient, but Walnut has, it's more different. It's like a cross between... Costa Mesa and Yorba Linda, which is more hilly. Okay, so 
Um, I want you to give me three reasons why it is convenient to you. It's not that big of a city, and it's really easy to bike around. It's very close to a lot of other cities. Is that two or one? That sounds like two. And there's a lot of bus routes that go through the area. Fantastic. So from a alternative public transportation and bicyclist perspective, Walnut is very convenient. Yes. All right. Now I'm going to hit you a little bit harder. All right. Can you share any history of the city of Walnut? Of course. It has native walnut trees. Oh, does it? Yeah. So it just naturally growing around town, like along the streets or, or in the hills? Or? I've found some really old ones along Lemon Creek Trail. Really? Like the, how old? Like pretty thick trunk? or? I have no idea. But Ooh. that was where I first recognized that they were walnuts because first you see this fruit and it doesn't look like much. So which species of walnut are we talking about here? I believe a black walnut. Okay, so these are probably the indigenous black walnuts. Yes. That, And the the name of the city came from, it used to be called, the area was known as Rancho Los Nogales, ah. Rancho of the Walnuts. And at first they were going to call the city Lemon, but then they're like, let's name it after the old stuff instead. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> are you making that up now? I think that's why they chose the city name Walnut was because of the ranch. Huh. Interesting. And and the ranch was named because they recognized there were walnuts there. Yes. Now, have you... Here's a question for you. Have you seen any graphs, old graphs, where there's a black walnut base and an English walnut on top in, in the town of Walnut? I am not too familiar with walnuts to know what tell them apart really so english walnuts have much broader leaves they have a pale trunk uh typically and um the walnuts themselves are the walnuts you're going to buy in the store those english walnuts they're much larger yeah they the the ones i find that you can't really eat them there's like nothing in it uh, hey wait wait step back they are edible i mean on some years drought influence and things like that they'll they'll come off the tree smaller and depending on when you harvest them the meat the nut meat could dry out huh. and or or get eaten or whatever. I haven't um, been able to. So you've had you haven't had a s- successful black walnut experience yet. No, I've yet okay. to. Okay, I'm gonna I whether I'm there or not. I want to make sure that you have one. They are very good. It, it, it's I a good it. foraging experience. This would be. I've way, seen them online. They look amazing. Yeah, they would be way better than. Well, flavor-wise, they might not be as good as castor beans, <laughs> no. but the after effects are much better. <laughs> Walnuts do taste good. So, um, well, I appreciate that history. Uh, okay, have what wildlife, quickly, This is you have to, first thing that pops in your head, what wildlife have you observed in Walnut? Uh, I've seen this yellow bird. A yellow bird? Yeah. Just straight yellow? Yeah. Really? Like the first time I, like one of the first times I visited Walnut, I saw this yellow bird like really high in this tree. How big was it? Like three inches. Okay. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Do you have two more wildlife to include? Wildlife and Walnut. Um, Goodness. I I feel like there were fish swimming in Lemon Creek. 
So I got to check this trail out with you. It sounds interesting. And I, I always see black Phoebes everywhere. Ah, black Phoebes. Yes. Yes. Uh, some people consider them the guardians of their yards. Yeah. They're always on like fence posts or... Huh. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. One final question, if you're up for it. Sure. All right. Um, what is your favorite nut? But this is a two-parter. What's your favorite nut? Walnuts. <laughs> okay. I've started eating them a lot since I moved there. But you've been eating the English walnuts. Yes. Oh, okay. So, um, okay. The t- second part of this question is... Are th- is there any nut that, from a botanical perspective, that is related to the walnut? I want to say pecan. Oh, you're so good. Because yes. they look almost the same. They do. They do. They're just sweeter and and a little bit more oval, right? Yeah. Dang man, it, you you just you're so good. I I can we do, get more? Do you need a bonus question? <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, what is the Latin genus for walnut? Like the name? Yeah. So if, you know, you have a a genus and a species Latin name, botanical name for every plant. Oh. So I'll give you one hint. It starts with a J. I don't, you got me there. You wanted another question. So I'm going to help you along. So um, let's see. If you were living in Walnut back in the day, you know, the homesteader period of time and you wanted to in some backwoods hollow you know where there was walnuts and oak trees around you wanted to hide your distillery right yeah all right so you're gonna make some what whiskey or something right moonshine moonshine Moonshine. (laughs) so you're gonna make your moonshine and what do you store this moonshine in that you've produced underneath these walnuts and oak trees back in the history of the town of walnut like a keg yeah a keg maybe or remember barrel well think about the latin name what letter i said it starts with the jar oh you're so close think about a band like an old bluegrass band (laughs) jug yes so you now have the first syllable of the latin genus now you're in an environment it starts with an l there's soil below your feet just a generic term for that space land yes take off the d so juggling juggling and and but it but there's there's many walnuts so add something at the end to pluralize it juglins yes we have a winner <laughs> he has even figured out I'm so impressed. Juglins, J-U-G-L-A-N-S, is the Latin genus for walnut. Aren't there the J go. silent in Latin languages? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I said it with authority, so you have to accept it. There you go. So would it be huglans? I have no idea. So there's, <laughs> it's funny you mention that. There, there's this manual called the Jepson Manual. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's this huge biblical-sized book on the native flora of California. Huh. And it's a has a dichotomous key. So basically, you get two vague descriptions of something. Like, is it a tree or a bush? If it's a tree, go here. If it's a bush, you know what I mean? You huh. keep narrowing things down. Um, and uh, in the beginning, um, there's this whole 
section on how to pronounce Latin botanical names. Hmm. And it says, well, actually, if this is Latin, we all know how to pronounce Spanish and, you know, other Latin uh, derived languages. And and so the A would be an A and the U would be an U. And you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I would. And, but then... When it all comes down to it, nobody knows how to pronounce Latin because it's a dead language anyway. Huh. And so as long as you say it with authority, you're all right. <laughs> Something like that. Like so. all the spells in Harry Potter are all Latin. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So Juglins Californica would be our native black walnut. Huh. So it's named for, for where we are. And interestingly, at Cal Poly Pomona, which I went to, like one of their emblems is like a walnut staff. Is it? Because they're situated ah. on the hillside of where the native native walnuts. See, and a lot of people don't realize that this this rich walnut history that we have here um, in uh, Orange County and and moving northward into LA County. Um, the, yeah. yeah, and actually, walnuts become pretty abundant as you go further north. Yeah, um, and uh, and and the the Chino Puente Hills area is like just one of the best areas to find walnuts uh yeah around like here on i was on brea canyon going through like right along the 57 yeah i I would always see those trees up there and i did not notice that they were walnut trees until like i rode right by it and i saw these walnuts on the ground pays to ride by right to ride your bike right yeah, yeah yeah and and so things key things to look for uh i don't know if you remember the leaf orientation of walnuts it reminds me a lot of it looks like a spinal cord Yes, that is a good description. I've never used that before. So they call that pinnate. Um, huh. And uh, ash trees sort of have that same look to them. Pecans, of course, or pecan, however huh. you want to pronounce it. Um, uh, uh, sweet peas, um, senna. There's a lot of plants that have that leaf orientation. So that's very dramatic. But this time of year, if you're going on the 57 North and you're looking at those hills in Brea Canyon area, the walnuts their leaves should be yellowed or gone because hmm. they're a deciduous tree. Whereas the oaks that are also on the same hill that are interspersed with the walnuts, they're all coastal live oaks. They're evergreens. Huh. So you can pick out all the dormant trees pretty easily and you'll know, oh, those are walnuts. Huh. Those are walnuts. Didn't so, know that. So um, I think you did amazingly well. Uh, uh, even uh, even figured out the Latin name of a plant. <laughs> um, some help. Do you have any last recommendations for our audience in terms of places to go things to see things to do yes i would like to mention the what i say is cal poly pomona's best kept secret it's called the lyle center for regenerative studies which at first i thought was like some medical program for regenerating limbs (laughs) but it's actually like a an environmental like agriculture it's the part of the school where they have like the massive solar panels and it's basically about environmental sustainability. But the cool thing about them is they, they have this donation program where they give you free produce every week. That's organic. Whoa. That I can't argue with free produce. That's amazing. It's $150 a year, but I think it's well worth it. They give some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for the recommendation. So maybe, maybe I've never been there. I, I have to admit, embarrassingly, so maybe we can meet up there and then do a hike at Lemon Creek or something like that. That would be great. I think it would be awesome. Maybe we could even do it as a 
podcast, uh, uh, in the field podcast. I haven't done one of those oh, yet. Oh, yeah, since this is portable. Yeah, this would be a good sequel. So, um, well, uh, thank you so much again, DJ Pete's sake, Peter. Uh, I hope everybody listens to his music. It, um, his, I, I assure you, his interests are are very relevant. A lot of, I, I, I would say, um, I'm not alone in the types of things that he's curious about and fascinated about and the fact that he writes lyrics about his observations i think it's pretty cool and, and much more relevant than a lot of stuff on the radio so i actually had a physical copy for you if you want it what oh my oh my gosh it's amazing i feel like i'm in the 90s <laughs> or the late 80s it's it. funny you say that because people see my music video and they think it's from the 90s because i use a vhs camera so that in itself is is more reason i i i yeah we're all looking back remembering the good old days right so uh and so if you want to feel a little nostalgia um look up dj pete's sake look up his soundcloud look up his youtube channel uh squashy grapefruit right and then you got the green machines that you do with your brother yeah what's your brother's name vincent vincent so check out vincent uh as well he goes by Vinny on the website what did you say? He goes by Vinny on the Vinny. website. Vinny. Oh, okay. Sorry. Vinny the gardener. All right. And um, so uh, I don't know who our next guest is going to be, but it's going to be good. Stay tuned with us. And thanks yep. again for listening. Thank you, Joel. All right. Happy trails. Millions of people have resigned themselves to achieving far less than they're capable of because of a secret desire to fail. Obviously, this isn't rational. But as we said, if people were rational, you wouldn't need this tape. I'm not aging, I'm evolving. Problem solving while the world keeps revolving. Haters be stalling, it's appalling. But I'd rather just keep it germane like I'm Aldi. I be sprawling my energy just like suburbia, but I give it for free. Got me in a state of ecstasy, but no drugs make me feel so large like I could give the whole world a hug. Then they ask Pete's sake, why you so happy? I don't know, I got bored of thinking life was crappy. That's how I say, cause it's all in the mind. Like J-Lo and Fabulous say, you gotta get right. So utilize the right side of the brain, man. You start to feel it when you stop feeling the pain. Fort Myers said remember the name, so I got to spell it out with no shame. I am. And out the subwoofers, mids, and the tweeters Keep them records spinning like them old power meters And pessimists away with my aromatic cedar When I'm in Japan, they probably call me Pete Sake But I don't drink, no, not even coffee I'll be damned if I have to need the caffeine Cause you're not really awake, you're only acting I'll be thrashing on my bike Metal casting and doing what I like Instead of sipping purple Sprite or Miller Lite I found something better I could do with my life Got the earth, wind, and fire like Maurice White But bring balance to water when I float like a pipe I grab the mic and I just don't stop Even Jesus said that I'm the rock Cause I am
too live to be stuck meeting deadlines Too underground to be stuck making headlines Too underground like I'm taking the red line But my head spins so fast that I took out the red line Insomniac keep missing my bedtime They say I'm crazy but now nah, my head's fine All I did was defrag my mind Now I influence minds like Yuri Prime when I rhyme With no mind control you just have to believe it Cause faith is the evidence if you ain't seen it I will never succumb to diseases Because I am my own personal Jesus Plus I'm vegan, the leader Peter Perfect Moving too smooth to be turbulent I've got to live my life in superlatives And I'll be doing this forever, it is permanent We have to refuse to dumb down our greatness We have to refuse to uh, We have to refuse to bite our tongue We have to refuse to not express how awesome we are I feel like at the end of the day, when you accept your awesomeness and you accept how incredible you are, you accept that you're a genius, and everybody is, you give other people permission to be a genius. You know, and you give other people that, you know, because they're looking at you like, damn, if he can do what I can do.